Hi, this is Liz. This month's episode discusses the treatment some LGBTQ kids in care have experienced and deals with loss, rejection, and abuse. We realize this may be triggering to some. Please use your discretion. Thank you. This is Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care, where we have insightful conversations about parenting for bio, foster, adoptive, or blended families to better understand the experiences we all face as families. Hello, Utah families. I'm Deborah Lindner, and welcome to Fostering Conversations. As we all know, it's very tough to be a teenager. I I started out thinking it's tough to be a teenager today, but I think it's tough to be a teenager anytime. But can you even imagine being a teen who's been removed from their home and placed with a foster family? And now imagine if you're questioning your gender identification, do you tell your foster parents? How do you tell your foster parents? As you know, we like getting to the heart of an issue by listening to those for whom it has the most impact. And today we'll be hearing from two young people who both spent time in foster care and who identify as LGBTQ. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Liz Rivera. Liz, is this something that foster parents are aware of when they become licensed, that there may be LGBTQ kids placed in their home? We sure hope so. Um, It's certainly one of the things that we talk about during the pre-service training and talk about the particular risks that kids um, who are LGBTQ may experience and the vital need for accepting and loving caregivers. Let's dive into it. Okay. Well, I'm excited. Um, So I've been uh, emailing with Blaine and texting with Cree for the last month. So I get to see their faces finally and and, uh, see see them and kind of get to know them a little bit more. So I really appreciate this opportunity. So I'd like to introduce Blaine first. So Blaine, um, he was placed in foster care at age 15 and was adopted by his foster parents a year later. Um, his pronouns are he and him. And right now he is on vacation in Ohio and he is still joining us. And we're so grateful um, that, he's, that he's here with us. And I'd also like to introduce Cree. Uh, Cree's a little bit older at age 20 and his story is a little bit more complicated. It sounds like um, he came into foster care as an infant Um, and was adopted out of foster care, but came back into foster care again, and then was adopted the second time um, just before his 13th birthday. And his pronouns are also he and him. So welcome Blaine and welcome Cree. We're so glad to have you. So I'm gonna start um, with Blaine and just our our conversation hope today is is kind of twofold. We wanna hear your lived experience um, because that's always brings insight. And then also any, any insights or particular um, maybe even advice you have for caregivers of um, who find themselves caring for um, a child or youth of any age who is LGBTQ? Um, I don't really know where to start, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was placed into foster care when I was 15 years old um, because I came out as transgender to my family and they didn't like that. So I basically was given up for adoption and like there was a bunch of other stuff that went on my dad was a drug addict and just a bunch of stuff like that and like um 
I was placed with a lesbian couple. Um, I'm not going to say their names out of respect for them, but I was placed with a lesbian couple for a while and like it just didn't work out. And I was there for like a couple of months. And I mean, I, I was fine with it and everything, but it was just, um, it just didn't go as well as I would have hoped. So I ended up going to um, my new foster parents, which um, I won't say their names either, but like, I like them a lot. They're, they're pretty cool. They adopted me and everything. They're, they're not really that supportive of me being transgender but like they're trying so I guess that's that's what matters is that they're trying um I haven't really talked to them for a little bit because of I started taking testosterone like a month ago and everything so I it's just been like really hard to talk to them about it Okay. So you've had experiences, unfortunately, of, of having multiple caregivers who maybe don't quite connect, don't always understand um, that they've been able to give you some support, but not full support. It sounds like. Yeah. So um, my foster parents, well, they're my parents now, but like they basically, they haven't really been they're they're supportive of me being bisexual and everything and all that but like when it comes to gender they just don't really understand it um they don't understand that gender is on a spectrum they're like they're the kinds of people that believe um if you have female parts you're a female if you have a male parts you're a male so we don't really like talk about it it's just gotten to the point where like I constantly misgender myself around them to make them mm-hmm. happy and make okay. my siblings happy. Elaine, at what age did you start questioning your gender identity? Um, I think I was 11 when I realized that I wasn't a girl. It was about the same time I realized that I was bisexual. Like before I came out as a trans man I I like experimented a lot but like it just wasn't right being a girl with other girls I just always wanted to be like a guy with a girl basically and that's like how I kind of figured it out and Cree when when did you start questioning your identity and tell us a little bit about your journey so for a while I actually came out as bisexual And I didn't think much of it, really, but I've always felt like something was off. I always dressed very tomboy, um, didn't like dresses or anything girly. Like, it just made me feel uncomfortable. And I was just unhappy wearing, like, skirts and stuff like that. Um, And then I came out as a lesbian, and it still didn't feel right. And it was just, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And it was when I had joined the military and we, I was put in the female barracks. And when you're in the military, they call you female or they call you private, you know? So when they would call me female and dressing with these females, showering with these females, eating with these females, it was just way out of my comfort zone. 
that's when I had reached out to one of my friends who was also transgender. And I was voicing my opinions and my concerns and how I felt. He helped me kind of figure out like, yeah, I am trans. And I guess part of me have always realized that I am. But I grew up in a family, both of my families were very LDS. Didn't even like me liking girls. So it was just one of those things where I think that my subconscious kind of locked that part of me away just to keep myself safe mentally. So yeah. So Cree, it sounds like you're saying that your current family that adopted you when you were 13, that they also struggle like Blaine's family does with, with accepting your identity. Yes. Um, actually, when I came out as bisexual to them, because I had that, you know, there's always that like one girl, um, my next door neighbor, coincidence, um, and they separated us, wouldn't let me talk to her, anything like that. They would force me to go to church even more. And it was just one of those things when I came out as trans, I basically, I didn't even tell them. I posted it on my social media and they were able to find out themselves. Now they're a little iffy about it. I don't know about Blaine, but I can tell when somebody is actually supportive and accepting opposed to them just saying it like that someone could say they support and accept me, but like I can tell if they really don't. And so it's just kind of like my family gave that off. I have a little sister, my adopted sister. She's about 10, 11. And, um, she is like totally against me being trans. Like she'll use my dead name as me being trans. Like I will not call him a him. He is a she. And so it's just to the point where I have taken a step back because, you know, my happiness and is more important than seeking for people's acceptance. Even your own family, which is, I mean, that's a pretty profound decision to have to make. So then my next question for both of you is where do you find support then? Um, if you can't find that with your parents and maybe even siblings, where, where are you getting the support that you need that everybody needs? So for me, I just have um, a small group of friends that I can talk to and then my partner. And then uh, I also have my little brother. He's 16 and he's really supportive. He knew before I knew I was trans mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. Like he like he just he knew it because I would always want to like like the typical guy things. I wanted to like play games and like wrestle with him and like all of that type of stuff. And like as soon as like I was like, I have something to tell you, and he's like, I know, don't even say, don't even say it. And I was just like, okay, vibes. It was difficult with my biological family because when I came out like I was basically forced out of the closet like I have a cousin Emmett who is transgender and so like when I was texting him I was like hey I'm having these thoughts I don't know what's going on um I don't know what to do I don't know if I'm just a lesbian or I don't know if I'm like actually trans and he helped me realize it. And like my family looked through my phone and that's how they found out mm-hmm. that I was trans. Word of advice, don't look through your kid's phone without their permission. It's just not it. It's stuff they're just not ready to share yet. 
that's kind of my viewpoint on it. I have some friends and like, like cousins and like people like that I can talk to, but I wish my family were a lot more supportive. Um, that's part of the reason why I'm like taking a vacation and a break is because like, I didn't want to be near my family. Okay. Looking back, what would have been something that would have immediately helped you when you were placed in your first foster home? Um, I mean, education, obviously, because there's a lot that, that foster parents don't know about the community and about the whole spectrum, as you said, of gender identity. Um, but what would have helped you? Um, I mean, were you, were you able to immediately come out to your foster parents, Blaine? Yes, I was immediately able to come out to the, um, the first set of foster parents that I had. Um, because like I said, they were a lesbian couple and like they were supportive of it and everything. It just like, it didn't work out for like other reasons. Honestly, I just wish that like, there were like classes for foster parents like that are dedicated to like LGBTQ youth because it's like your kid's going to go through a lot more stuff than like someone who's like a cisgender heterosexual person. So Liz, what kind of education do foster parents get about, about yeah. this, this issue? So when foster parents first get licensed, they go through an overview training that we cover, you know, a ton of issues that kids in care may face and they may face as caring for these kids and LGBTQ issues are a piece of that. Um, but it's certainly not dedicated to that. And I think one thing we found too, is that if we have parents who maybe they identify as LGBTQ or they have a particular heart for the LGBTQ community, they'll go out of their way to, um, they already are educated or go out of their way to be educated. But we find folks that maybe more like Blaine's, maybe second family, increased families, that they go into foster care thinking I can handle, you know, a kid who has tantrums or whatever, but they just don't even think about the LGBTQ issues. So even, I think even when we address it, they, they just kind of maybe don't think about it because they think, well, I'm not going to have a kid in my care. So I think that's a challenge and, and something I think we do need to talk about as a system more. What do you think would help your parents to be more accepting? Because you said they're kind of iffy, like they're trying, but you can tell they still really aren't there yet. Is it, is it education? Is it experience? Is it humility? What do you think is, are keeping them from fully accepting you? That is a good question I've been asking myself for years. <laughs> okay. I think my biggest thing is people like, or I don't want to say everyone, but a good majority of people like to mix religion with who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. um, me personally, I don't like to mix my religion or like spirituality with any of that. Like, yeah, it can be a part of it as, as part of like values and stuff like that. But I feel as though we are all human and we all deserve that same kind of love and respect that anybody else does. You never know what a person is going through. Like you can look to your person next to you and they could have been through just as bad as stuff as you have gone through. And you don't know. Figuring out who you are and who you love, that is just a big chunk. 
So if we take foster kids with their PTSD and trauma that they have been through and then add trying to figure out what their gender is and what their sexuality is, that is hard to do alone. And when you're in foster care, I don't know about Blaine, but I definitely felt alone. You have these thoughts of like, what did I do wrong for my family not to want me? Like, am I worth or can I be loved? You know, or can I love? You know, you you start doubting yourself. So just doubting yourself alone with the foster care system and foster families, and then having your own self-esteem issues as far as I'm not confident in the body I'm in. Um, can I hold the person I love's hand in public or is it even safe for me to tell my foster parents, like, am I going to get yelled at, taking privileges away from, or are they going to send me back? Like, you never really know. So I just feel like foster parents need to be, and not just foster parents, but like even like other families, you know, just need to be more open about how this is a new generation, a new, this is the 21st century. A lot of things are changing. I've heard a lot of people say that transgenders are kind of a new thing, but we're really not. We have been out for many, many years. We're not hiding anymore. We are able to have these surgeries and, you know, have these hormone therapies to be ourselves. And sometimes like, and we are putting our safety physically, like emotionally, like all of that into jeopardy so that we can be happy. Do you think one place to start, Cree, might be just for, for adults to become familiar with the terms? You know, what is cis? What is, you know, non-binary? There are a lot of terms that I know other fellow adults don't quite know how to even begin to talk about this. It, would that be a place where you would suggest that foster families start? Yes, definitely. There are hundreds of terms out there. Like there are many genders and many sexualities. So you could go hours and hours through all of that. My biggest thing I always say is you don't have to accept and support me for who I am and for who I love but you should have at least respect me for being a human being. I may not always um, agree with one's values, but that doesn't mean I'm going to disrespect them for having that value. I'm yeah. still going to respect them because I would want that same respect for me. You know, we kind of talked about this, we're layering identities on top of that, but if your, your core humanity is not even being acknowledged, um, what a desperate situation that is. There is one group called Encircle that, that does, um, I understand, do classes. Is that correct, Liz? Yeah, so Encircle is uh, support for, uh, I, I believe, primarily youth um, and their families. Um, and then I think Pride is more for all ages. And Korean, Blaine, you may correct me if I'm wrong, if you know more about those two organizations. And Encircle yeah. is... Um, Specific to Utah, and it kind of goes a little bit with Cree. Um, it was started by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they're trying to um, open up uh, conversation because um, I think what Cree, what you said, that people's faith traditions that they hold so strongly sometimes then clash with who, I mean, the identity. It's not that you something you believe, it's just who you are. And so I think like in Circle, and there's other organizations too that I think are trying within multiple different faith traditions, trying to help people understand that 
we don't, these don't have to clash. We can find a place for everyone. So Blaine and Cree, you guys are, are talking to foster parents right now. What do they need to hear? What do they need to hear? Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they have a child in their care that um, they, they think might be LGBTQ that has come out as LGBTQ. What do they need to hear? What, what do you want them to know? It's okay not to know everything, but don't give up on your child for something that they can't control because your child has been going through this a lot longer than you have. And your child's probably like felt like this their whole life. And you shouldn't disregard their feelings as long as you try. And as long as you like, respect pronouns um stuff like that they'll they'll be very grateful because I know I would have liked that it's hard to like talk about with them it's just like it's like a constant bombarding of like you're you're a girl you're a girl and you'll always be a girl just don't do that to your kid they're going through so much they're probably going through more than you know they're going to like be hurt for a while if you do that to them. So just don't do what my parents did to me, basically. I think this is a good chance to also remind people and on a lot of issues, people have to be reminded that they're the parents and you're the child. And okay. so we're, we're trying to teach our families to become parents and take responsibility. And from what I'm hearing from you is that it's okay to be questioning whether you're questioning your own beliefs or you're questioning your uh, gender identity, that's okay. People see things as black and white, and sometimes that's not so simple. Cree, do you have any one thing that you would say to foster parents? I would say one thing that would benefit your LGBTQ plus Youth is trying to understand them for who they are as a person. I think nowadays we just want to know everything. And as Blaine said, you don't need to know everything. I think that we need to learn to be more open-minded as a society in general, because diversity is what makes a world a better place. We're all like puzzle pieces to this one big puzzle. Without one of us, the puzzle can't be complete. When one person is being talked down on or or anything like that for who they are, they're going to exclude themselves. I think that's one of the biggest problems is, is just that, is I feel as though foster parents want to think that they know everything um want and some parents some foster parents are amazing like all the way understanding are there for their youth you know even just taking an hour out of like a day and sitting them down and you know like asking them like hey i want to try and better understand you for who you are as a person so will you please explain asking simple questions as what are your goals in life? Um, who do you want to be? Where do you see yourself like in the next five, 10 years? You know, kind of go through that and be like, 
how can I be there for you to help your self-esteem to help you be who you want to be? And I think that's just like one of the biggest understand, like biggest things is to understand. What I hear you also saying, Cree, is that gender identity is just one of my, one, one part of me. There's so much more of me. So be yes. interested in that just as much as you are in the gender identity. Yes. And, you know, I have, I have many transgender friends and lesbian friends and so on and so forth. And I have talked to each and like, like each different person and we are all different. Like two, two of us can view our journey differently. You know, there's some who are okay with identifying as transgender and just being on testosterone while another one would like top surgery, but doesn't need bottom surgery. And the list goes on, you know, it's just very, very important to understand that pronouns and being able to love who you love and be who you are is a life-saving thing that you need, you know, like misgendering someone can be very, very fragile very fragile and as with foster kids they're already fragile with everything they've been through and so it's just like a concern of mine when foster parents don't really take the time to really understand their foster kid so from my understanding uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong but foster parents get a file because we have our stuff on file And they read that file or have access to it or something. And I have a feeling that like a lot of families read these files and feel like they know their foster kid. But these files are just from different perspectives. You know, like they're like facts about like events that happen and stuff, you know, but there's always two sides to that. And so I feel like, you know, like a caseworker can report like some like a visit that they had with their one of their kids to another person and that's how they'll view them if someone someone were to introduce me to someone that they know that I don't know and then they tell me all these things I'm not going to base my opinion off of what they said I would like to build up my own rapport about them not necessarily basing your opinion and how you're going to treat the, the, your kids off of these files and what other caseworkers and judges and other foster parents have said build your own opinion about these kids build your own relationship you really are saying approach this human being with humility that you don't know everything about them and to to learn from them about who they are in their own experience right now if you're a foster parent and you have questions liz rivera maybe you can help me who who should they who should they go to should they start with dcfs should they talk with their cluster facilitator at Utah Foster Care to get more information on, on fostering and taking the right steps, help these kids on their journey? Yes, certainly anybody with Utah Foster Care. So, you know, the trainers, um, we have a, access to a wealth of information, the retention staff. Um, I, I, I would believe and hope that most DCFS caseworkers are also going to be a great source of information and support um, as well. It's an issue that uh, is more, more at the front of our minds than it's ever been. And uh, we want to make sure that families are getting the support they need to best support the kids in their care. 
And for future trainings, I might also suggest um, if you want future training on this, tell your cluster facilitator. The most important thing today is that even though we don't have hard numbers on the number of LGBTQ kids in foster care in Utah and even the U.S., we know if even one child or one teen needs understanding on this issue, it's up to all of us in the child welfare community to support that child. And if you're listening as a foster parent, like we said, talk to your resource family consultant, your RFC, your caseworker, or your Utah foster care representative and, um, and find out how you can make the kids who are coming into your home, make their journey a better one. We have the list of resources on our podcast webpage. We'd really appreciate your thoughts and comments. I know we're going to get many of them. Blaine, Cree, thank you so much for being so open to talking about this. Um, I know I've learned so much and Liz as well. And we hope to have you back again. We, we wish you the best of luck as you pursue your life goals. And uh, we look forward to hearing much about your success in future years. That's it for this month. We'll continue with another Fostering Conversations podcast next month. So long, everybody. This has been Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care. Thank you for joining us. For more information, go to utahfostercare.org. We'll see you next time. 